Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Michael Kist, Benjamin Solak. It's the Kist and Solak Show, presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are not flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 44, brought to you by the fine folks at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me at Michael Kist NFL. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Eight-Year Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Ben, man, I, I I know every day is a good day to be alive, but this one feels just a little less good. How you doing, yeah. brother? No, it's a good day to be alive. It's just for other reasons. That are not <laughs> relative to the podcast. Relative to a to a forty eight to seven loss by the Eagles to the Saints. Worst, uh, worst loss in history for a defending Super Bowl champion. Wow, really? You're just pumping out all types of fun stats pre show, and now you hit me with Trey Thomas. Trey, Trey Thomas tweeted that out. Shout out Trey, and it was Mike Garofalo who said that seven points were the uh, fewest the Eagles have ever scored under Doug Peterson. Twenty four first half points were the most surrendered under Doug Peterson. It was the worst game the Eagles have played in the past three years. Yeah. Total letdown. Total letdown on the road. Not like and like like let down. Like didn't even expect them to play that well. It just would have been like nice for the offense to string together two good plays, man. They um no nobody like uh you don't get the sense that anybody on the team thinks that the team is good. You know what I mean? Like like no one's Nobody's like, you know, rah rah sis boom bah, and nobody's got much fight to him, which you can't hardly blame him. The team is very, very bad right now. Not the you know, who's playing worse in the in the league right now? Very very small list of teams playing worse than the Eagles right now. Yeah, and it's and it's sad. Speaking of the offense, you know, we expected some sort of life from them or needed to see some sort of life before it got to the point where nobody would give a darn what you did for the rest of the season because when it came to the games that mattered, they came up very, very short. They opened this game up with a three and out. There was the third down screen to Josh Adams, which I was not in love with. And we'll get into play calling and everything like that. But I thought they should have put it in Wentz's hands and let him make a play downfield in that uh, specific situation. I think there are people criticizing things uh, that aren't necessarily the problem when it comes to the play calling and in other situations. But again, we'll get into all that. The right. second drive, the they get a big return from Corey Clement and they go three and out. Then the third drive was the interception where the Saints have on what they call drop kick coverage, and the Eagles are running a very common concept that we have talked about on this show. It's a it's a two man route combination off play action with a, a post route, and you get the over route coming from the other side. And what defenses can do to combat this is they can run what's called the drop kick coverage, where the safety will come up, and what happens is that corner that was on the deep crosser can then kick back to a deep zone to also help out with that post route. And that's what you saw from Marshawn Lattimore. So you saw him fade off of the off the cross or pass that off and then get back to the post route. It was underthrown, intercepted by Marshawn Lattimore, 
really bad start for the offense, bad start and bad game for Carson Wentz, just in that situation alone, not confirming post snap that that cornerback is a threat to, you know, drop back to that deep zone, uh, something that's been a common theme for him lately, not confirming post snap, in my opinion, anyway, but really slow start. And for a team that really needed to show some life in the first quarter, this was definitely not it, Ben. Yeah, it comes down to the fact, like, you know, so we said, all right, you know, Josh Adams screen call and Carson Wentz you know, interception down the field and Nelson Aguilar kind of not uh, going up to meet that football. And, uh, you know, uh, deep dropbacks in, in the pocket leading to sacks on third and three, right? We're going to talk about the, that, the by the way, the too. Go ahead. Right. So here, here's the thing. Like, uh, Mike and I were getting upset during the game just while we were talking to each other because... Uh, it, it uh, obviously everybody's very frustrated that the Eagles are losing, and so everybody's just kind of wantonly critical, just just haphazardly critical of every play that has a poor result, independent of how that result came to be. Right, which is poor, uh, poor analysis, is poor process, and it's frustrating when uh, like beat reporters and analysts who are relied upon to give good analysis kind of feed into. Uh, the frenzy of, of obviously very upset and, and rightfully so fans that, that, that are upset with how their team is performing, they feed into that negativity by just, you know, criticizing everything from, from stem to stern, criticizing play calls despite the fact that they've liked play calls like that in other circumstances yeah. where they've done well, criticizing uh, wide receiver play and quarterback play when it's uh, it, it lacks like true depth of analysis, whatever. The moral of the story is this, in my opinion. You can't lose to a team forty-eight to seven unless literally everything is the problem, right? right? Like you can, <laughs> like you, you know, like we, uh, you know, I, I'm sure you've got this going on right now, Mike. I have people in my mentions asking me uh, when we fired Doug Peterson. I have people asking me when we fired Jim Schwartz. I have people asking me if we cut Aguilar and Tate so we can assign Tyrell Williams. I have people asking me. Oh, I had another good one. I can't remember it now. It's, it's so weird because this team and this coaching staff is fairly close to the team and the coaching staff that won a Super Bowl. Things have obviously not gotten right this season. Doesn't mean burn it all down. Right. Wherever wherever you are listening to the podcast, gentle listener, if I may impose upon you an exercise, think for a second about why it's so disappointing that the Eagles are playing this poorly. The answer is because we've come to expect much more from them and, and why we come to expect much more for them because the data we have on the key players of this team Mm. includes a Super Bowl win includes a dominant 2017 season so the reason that there's such a a a strong instinct to say you know screw it like this is awful we need to blow it up is because we expected so much more this is such a a a drastic significant perilous drop-off a huge delta between expectations and reality. It's how you get coaches who who survive and thrive in mediocrity like Jason Garrett, Jeff Fisher, Marvin Lewis, Lovey Smith, so the you know names who who were long-standing coaches without great success. That's how they stick around for so long is because they meet expectation and so there isn't this fierce disappointment during the season because you expect from them mediocrity and you get mediocrity and sometimes it's a little worse and sometimes it's a little better but you never thought it was going to be otherwise we just won our first super bowl of course we thought that meant everything had changed now you have a team that 
is underperforming relative to talent levels, underperforming relative to coaching ability. They're they're not getting lucky. They're not executing. They're not playing with fantastic effort. They're not playing with great discipline. The play designs aren't as good. Carson Wentz is taking a step back. The offensive line is dealing with injuries. The defensive secondary is dealing with injuries. There was a coaching talent drain. There's 95 bajillion explanations for what's going on, and each one of them is true to a certain degree. But the the reason that I think that there's such a, a fervent and 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 passionate pissed off reaction is because unlike we have ever previously experienced as Eagles fans we came to expect something better (laughs) we thought that this coaching staff this this quarterback this offensive line this defense whatever it was was enough now that we didn't have to deal with massive disappointments from our football team and as it turns out of course that's not the case and it will never ever be the case you know, ever like, 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 you know, for a long time, like a team like New England has staved this off. And it seems like maybe finally it might be coming for New England. You know, they're struggling a little bit this year. Brady's got to retire and then their comeuppance. What is due will be done, you know? And so I think that we have to acknowledge that number one, the problem is everything. If this was a team that like, if the Eagles had like hung tight with the saints on offense and then the defense, what had to be able to buy a stop, in the fourth quarter again, it'd be a little bit easier to say the problem was still the defense. And if, you know, the Eagles defense was able to get some surprising stops against the Saints and generate some more pressure, and this Eagles offense only put up seven points, it'd be a little bit more easy to say, like some have been saying that the problem is the offense. The reality is that the Eagles got pantsed for 60 straight minutes. It's because the entire team is playing poorly right now. However, you know, if you were to look exclusively at the past four games of the season, you'd be positive that Frank Reich was the absolute offensive mastermind in Philadelphia and Doug Peterson was a total, uh, a fake and a crutch and a, and a, a, you know, a, a poster, not as it, I, um, Oh, just a fake. I can't remember the idiom I want to use, whatever. <laughs> if you, that's, that's, if you look at a four game sample size, if you look at the 20 game sample size from the past two years, it's very clear that Doug Peterson is a fantastic offensive mind and deserves a ton of credit. You know what I mean? So you can, be narrowed on the four games if you want. Uh, but the wealth of data says that this is a team that could be very, very good. It could be a Super Bowl contending. They're not playing that way right now. There's a ton of problems to fix. There's a ton of players that need to get healthy. There's there's some serious introspection necessary from the front office and the coaching staff alike. It's a process. It'll happen. Uh, but the problem is everything. And the reason it sucks so much is because not you know eight calendar months ago, the problem was nothing. Right. And so it's been a drastic turnaround. Yeah, we have definitely forgotten as a fan base how to deal with these types of situations and, and some of the reactions. And we're going to get to the reactions. We're going to get to three words where we have probably, we're, what is it? All 500 responses. Yeah, there's 541 responses last time I checked. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's wild. And Ben, dialing back to some of the criticisms that were laid on this game, and a lot of them are, you know, totally valid. And like I said, I even pointed out the screen pass. I didn't like they put in Wentz's hands. But like, for instance, you get this third and three with four minutes in the second quarter. The Eagles are down 17 to seven. And uh, Jeff McClain tweeted out, quote, players have to execute, but coaches have to put players in the best scenario to succeed. That's four down territory. The only thing that takes it out of the equation is a sack. Didn't like the call. Here's the thing about that call. You can't take a sack, right? So you leave in a seven-man protection with play action. Pre-snap motion shows you that it's man coverage. Zach Ertz versus P.J. Williams. I am taking that matchup and that protection a thousand times out of a thousand if that's what I get, right? So that put Ertz and Wentz in a position to succeed. Steven Wisniewski playing out of position at center 
got beat by Sheldon Rankins, who was a monster, and we talked about him a bunch in the preview show. The other team makes the play sometimes. I have zero interest, none, in result-based analysis designed to fit a narrative. Even if the truth, the overarching theme of what you're saying is true, using that example for me does not compute. And it doesn't advance the conversation at all. And I get it. We get pissed off and we want to put blame somewhere because it makes us feel better about the chaos that is football. But we need to stop with calling everything that doesn't work bad and everything that works. For example, something like Josh Adams that is you know, on a touchdown run that's perfectly blocked up. Something like that as something that shows that Josh Adams, for instance, is a feature back. Because I saw those takes too on the other side of the spectrum. We need to be better at having those conversations and uh, not just yelling at each other that someone needs to be fired or uh, this is because of, you know, A is because of B. And, and usually it's a much more nuanced conversation in football when it comes to that. So those are the conversations that I like having with you, Ben, because I know you're a rational person and we like to go through Thanks, these things, pal. you know, logically and, and break them down and not necessarily just say because, you know, zero points were scored in the first quarter. It's all on the coaching. I mean, the execution was bad, too. And it's been execution for a lot of this season. Yep. And, you know, I don't I don't know where to place like, you know, like the big the umbrella of blame. But Ben, these are all conversations that we're going to have, you know, as we progress through the season and as we look at the off season. But thing that this sucks now, right? Like, you look at Mike Rowe and how can you justify what's going on with that offense compared to what it was last year? I mean, Doug Peterson isn't going anywhere, so is Mike Rowe going to be the sacrificial lamb for what has happened so far this season? I mean, it's it's. I think it's probably the likeliest move that you can look at right now in terms of a, of a long-term move. And I think that there's a lot of good offensive minds in the league and people who'd be excited to work with the Doug Peterson, with the Carson Wentz. You're not going to be bereft for options. Does it solve every problem? No, like we said, kind of every problem is the problem here. Um, it is important to note, you know, like a rising tide does lift all boats, though, in the sense that, you know, you kind of get the impression from Carson who had a really bad game uh that he's just trying to like power everything yeah. you know what I mean like he's just trying to uh, get everything going like you know he, he's feeling tons of pressure from the offensive line obviously and he's he's trying to make every single throw and he's inaccurate a lot of short stuff and obviously took several deep shots or took two deep shots both of which turned into interceptions as a matter of fact um which I don't hate you know what I mean like I can't um you know, you, you put a ball 60-plus yards down the field, you kind of need your wide receiver to help you out a little bit usually. You know, that's, that's unless it's wide open, you're usually kind of making it a jump ball or contested catch situation. But Carson just generally struggled in the sense of uh, escapability and the, and the ability to extend plays. It's not something we saw very much. Obviously, had the picks, and then accuracy was just all over the place. And the own, like, you know, Carson's not an inaccurate quarterback. Uh, and Carson's not a, a quarterback who struggles to deal with pressure usually. I think it's simply the fact that he's feeling so much weight, uh, you know, go down by two scores early to put this team on his back and to, and to power up this offense. So Carson's feeling a lot of pressure. I'm sure Doug is at a very similar spot uh, where Doug is having the experience that it ain't as smooth of sailing as it was last year, and that the, the scripts certainly aren't turning out the same production as they were. There's no doubt uh, the, the quick touch ideas, the RPO ideas, all that quick short game stuff is not turning out the same production yards after the catch. He does not have the same running game on um, which he could kind of rely for short yardage situations. And so, you know, I, I think that Doug's probably also under a lot of pressure in that regard, and Doug feels the onus on himself to do a ton, and that's why you get, like, you know, First and 10 reverses to Golden Tate that end up losing eight yards. And I think that's why you get, you know, third and 11 screens that only end up getting 10 yards. You know, you kind of get, um, uh, he trying to, you know, you have Carson who's trying to make everything happen. And I think Doug, who's kind of trying to get 
the 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 burden off of Carson's back a little bit in that regards. I'm sure Gro is dealing with a ton of pressure though. Obviously he doesn't call plays, so it's mostly just week in, week out stuff. He obviously has to step into huge shoes. Same thing goes for Press Taylor. Obviously he was stepping into John D. Filippo's shoes. So you get the sense that if one domino were to fall, it would become easier on any of the others for the offense. You know what I mean? Um you're obviously dealing with super you're dealing with health issues now in the offensive line in the sense that Jason Peters is clearly playing at like sixty five percent. Kelsey goes out, and so you've got Wisniewski in there, uh, and the offensive line struggle for the entirety of the game. I think we can, we can uh, uh, a lot of people right now are touching back in on the Golden Tate trade, and yeah, like I understand the logic behind the Tate trade, and we, this is what we talked about at the time. Like you know, this was, you know, we believe Tate will bring enough to our offense to help us become more competitive for the Super Bowl, competitive in the division. Obviously, two games in, uh, Tate's not taking a significant amount of snaps or garnered a significant. Uh, a number of touches. He had a decent amount of touches today. I feel yeah. like he had six targets. Um, but like for that. the uh, yeah, yeah. So for the risk of the third round pick and the potential for basically just the rental and then the comp pick, it's tricky right now. It definitely doesn't seem like Tate's providing the offensive returns clearly that we would have hoped right. he did uh, as far as solving the problem. So that's there. There's another criticism that goes in the front office. Yeah. There's a front office that's seeing their. 2017 third round pick and Rasul Douglas just gets smacked around and obviously the rest of that 2017 class and Elijah Qualls and Nate Gary and Sheldon Gibson and Danelle Pumphrey are not offering anything right. substantial. So 2016 uh, Big V, Wendell Smallwood and Jalen Mills all have had multiple opportunities over the past two years to really establish themselves as starters and have been unable to. Uh, you know, you got obviously a 2018 class that you were a little want for early picks, uh, but Goddard's not really getting on the field that much. Maddox goes down with a knee injury. He was kind of the crowning jewel of that class, and nobody else is participating. Uh, so this is a front office that's been struggling as well to do good things in the draft. Like I said, problems everywhere, and I'm sure everybody's everybody's job will get a lot easier once kind of the dam breaks and somebody's really able to elevate their play. The question is, you know, at one point, is that going to come? How much is that going to affect things? Philadelphia does not seem like a team who's going to, you know, beat the Giants next Sunday. Like, I I wouldn't anticipate them winning that game. So, you know, it's not so much about saving the season as it is just being able to get the ship righted a little bit. Yeah. And flipping sides, because you mentioned Rasul Douglas getting toasted up. Rasul would come out of the game. Sidney Jones would come out of the game. Who else came out of the game? Avante Maddox. Maddox would come out of the game. Jordan Hicks would come out of the game. Jason Kelsey would come out of the game. Rick Lovato would come out of the game. It just goes, the hits just keep on coming. Uh, so I, I don't know. And, and look, I'm not the biggest Schwartz fan. And I, like I've said before, I don't anticipate him being here after the season. So I feel you. I feel the anger with him. I do. I mean, I don't know what you expect him to do with this patchwork secondary with. Uh, I mean, there were been there were yeah. points because people have changed numbers and, and, and whatnot. We've got new guys in like Devontae Bosby and stuff. I saw Devontae Bosby and I'm like, who is 41? I, uh, there was one point oh, yeah. pre-snap I couldn't recognize like half the secondary. I was like, this is just ugly. And then, like, like you said, though, and it comes down to, you know, the depth issues that this team had are made worse with those injuries because the drafts have not hit. From what it seems like a, a pass yeah. just beyond Carson Wentz, those guys aren't making meaningful enough contributions to be able to mask some of those injuries and come and do that next man up thing. It's not happening for us that way. And, you know, obviously the secondary is a special case because they're getting just a rash of injuries in one place. But I mean, who has been fantastic in, in the secondary for us other than Malcolm Jenkins, other than Ronnie, Ronnie McLeod, who went out early in the season? None of them really have, and I don't think um, you know yeah. Sidney Jones played okay. There were a couple of times where he he got ate up a little bit, but 
I mean, I, I didn't think he had a it's bad Sydney game. Jones's, it's literally, it's Sidney Jones's rookie season. Yeah. And he's playing two positions in terms of slot and outside. And trying it's, to couple Michael Thomas. He, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of call it still Sewell's like rookie season he had some starts last year it's weird uh the thing about the 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 more interesting thing with Sewell is not so much how much he started how much experience he has it's it's that they have been uh, as resistant as possible to giving him reps above Jalen Mills which with how Mills has played is not a strong indicator yeah so you know jury is very much still out on Sydney a guy who's had a lot of good reps and then has had his fair share of bad reps which a lot of rookie corners have uh, Sewell is a little bit more so of a book that we're just wondering if that's ever going to pan out. Yeah, you know, corner obviously is going to be a massive need for Philadelphia in terms of with Ronald Darby in a contract year, and now he's IR'd. Uh, is, are they going to bring him back? Is it going to be on a one-year deal? How cheap is it going to be? And even if it is for a one-year deal, well, you're still going to have the need next year, so you better start drafting a potential starter at corner. Um, you know, we didn't even get to it. Like, you know, this wasn't even something that was discussed during the game because there was so much other just awfulness going on. But T.Y. McGill and Trevion Hester are still oh, awful. In they were getting muscled. They're still super bad. Mark Ingram goes for 100 Ingram. yards. Like, uh, yeah. Well, like, it's like Ingram, Ingram, like, so Ingram rips off like a 34-yard like opening run. It was 38 yards, and it was Taysom Hill sealing Malcolm Jenkins. Taysom Hill was lined up in tight doubles as a wide receiver like, the, like right. I said they would. I, I thought that was adorable. And he did it a couple of times. He, they used Taysom right. Hill so much. They were trolling the hell out of us and using so many of those tendency breakers. The second, I'll tell you right now. Sean Payton does not like Doug Peterson, which makes sense. Doug Peterson's beaten up on him now a couple of times on the golf course and whatever. Yeah. Um, but the second Sean Payton came out with like eight minutes left in the second and threw a pass with Taysom Hill up 17-7, to a drive on which the Saints would eventually punt and Philadelphia would get that third and three in New Orleans territory. So it could have been 10-17, 14-17, whatever. Still didn't but care. The second, Payton, the second Payton threw a pass with Taysom Hill – on first and ten, yeah. in the second quarter, it was just Peyton saying to Peterson, "Like you guys have no chance of winning this game. We can turn this faucet on whenever I, can, I want. I can take my MVP candidate out and put my special teamer because Hill is literally a special teamer, yeah, and a quarterback. Because you guys, there's no chance, right? And I mean, like that, like the that fourth and seven touchdown, to Alvin Kamara is such a good example because the game is already salted away. It's fourth and seven." And Payne goes, well, let's just make sure Kamara is still really good at catching balls down the field. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's still fine with that. Like, we just wanted to make sure. Which I, 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 I begrudge him nothing on that. You know what I yeah. mean? That's like we would we would absolutely so be same. calling for that if it was 38-7 to Philadelphia in the lead. Like, you know, we would 100% be going for that. So we have to be okay with, uh, with you know, the, the hand, the carrot and the stick, I suppose, like yeah. when it comes around the other way. Very clear from the beginning, this defense wasn't going to be able to do anything to stop the Saints, which we anticipated, especially as they accrued further injury. Uh, there was going to be very little chance. The, the 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 only way Philadelphia was going to hang in this game was if the offense really turned in a, a blockbuster performance, yeah. which we didn't anticipate in the pregame shows, and we didn't see you know out there so that was a that was a drubbing that that wasn't too hard to see coming man i really i really hated to see draft crush traquan smith who i anticipated have a breakout game have a breakout game it was the least happy i've ever felt i was like i am happy this is happening but it's the worst feeling in the world him and keith kirkwood lighten it up good old keith (laughs) no idea can't believe we underlooked Keith. keith kirkwood didn't mention him once in the previews for obvious reasons ben 
screw this, man. Let's get to uh, three words and uh, let's get out of here. We all know what it is. It was a bad game. We didn't show up. It's been that. Ca- it's been the case for you know a lot of the season now, and yeah, we just got blown out by a very, very good, very hot football team that we are nowhere in the same tier of uh, this season. And I don't think me or you, Ben, fooled ourselves into thinking that we would be in the same tier uh, on this field today. So let's go to three words. There are 595 responses as I'm looking at it right now. RWR at BDoc10, fire this staff with four likes. What are you people doing? The whole staff? Yo, Ben Bramhill at Buttons Bramhall says Sixers are good, which they are. I was driving back from Purdue, Wisconsin the other day, and I get off, I get, like, I, like, drop my rental, and I, like, open my phone just to, like, see what's going on. And I have a bajillion notifications and messages and whatever, and it was right after Jimmy Butler hit that game winner against the Hornets, which was a beautiful thing, and I love Jimmy Butler, and it makes me happy. Sean Lamont at 11 the Goat says, top 10 pick, question mark. Look, like we've said before, I wrote my first draft article for BleedingGreenNation.com today uh, in anticipation of this, so go check that out. Talking about some Clemson defensive linemen that we could be uh, that we could be looking at because we don't know what the future holds for Brandon Graham, Chris Long, Michael Bennett after 2020. Uh, who else? Timmy Jernigan. So we may need to replace some of those pieces along that defensive line. Go check that out. But top 10 pick is very possible. I don't know how many more games this team is able to put together this season as the injuries continue and continue and continue and continue to rack up. I like this one. Uh, Trey Alexanderson at T underscore Ray 18 says fire dog. Da, 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 da. Kidding. But then he also puts the thinking face, the emoji one like this. <laughs> so I don't know what... So kidding, right? But also, like, is he kidding because of the face? Like, hmm? So Trey's keeping us guessing, man. Now, here's one that goes to a larger theme of what happened today. It's from Jim Benichek at Jay Benichek. He says, division's wide open. The reason that the division is wide open that we have not talked about yet today. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah, we should, we should chat about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Alex Smith, 33 years to the day that Joe Thiesman went down. With a broken leg, Alex Smith has suffered a gruesome lower leg injury. Foot turned the wrong way. Feel awful for him because... When I, I was mean, a kid, I thought his name was pronounced like Theisman, like it rhymed with Heisman. That's actually why he did it. No, that's why That's why he says... That's why I say Theisman. People say it Theisman. I say it... I'd say it Theisman I mean, because... When I was a kid and I read it, I always thought it was Theisman. Don't they say it like Theisman though? Do they? Yeah. You think... said Theisman. Actually, wait, that's true. I shouldn't trust anything you pronounce. Okay. Let me look this up. Uh, he's a Redskins quarterback. I'm not a fan of him to any degree. And I pronounce it Theisman because that's how it was originally pronounced. He changed it to Theisman because he was in the Heisman race in college. I, I, that's what I remember okay, the story gonna, being anyway. I'm, I'm reading up on this right now. So continue <laughs> talking about the thing. But yeah, Washington is in serious trouble. Their offensive line is completely beat up. As we talked about last week, Brandon Scherf going down, Laval going down. Uh, They have serious issues there, and then they lose Alex Smith, and then the Dallas Cowboys win today against the Atlanta Falcons, and with the momentum that they have going, that could be some serious trouble for the Redskins if they can't hang on. They weren't able to tie up the game with the Texans. They tried a 63-yard field goal that hit the bottom crossbar and pinged out, so they still almost brought that game to overtime, even after being down two scores, I believe it was, when Alex Smith went down with the uh, something broke in his right. lower leg. We'll call it that. Something broke. Uh, I haven't looked for the official status. 
yeah, tibula and, and fibula. Wow, I broke, dude, I broke my tibia, and it kind of looked like that, but not nearly as gruesome. And that's bad news, Bears. He's yeah, that's gonna be a fun recovery for him. I feel awful for him, man. That's terrible. You don't want to see that happen to anybody because that that was super gruesome. No, that was that was just absolutely dreadful. And and Aikman made this point somewhere between nine and four hundred and thirty times during the broadcast. <laughs> but with that added context, it really is. Just shocking that the Eagles lost that, you know, because the Eagles could have lot beat that beat the Cowboys, lost to the Saints. Obviously, the extent to which they lost to the Saints does add to it, but they'd be five and five, and at a point where the Redskins are likely going to drop in the division, they lost their starting quarterback. It's just a huge disappointment, in the Eagles, for not winning that Cowboys game. Yeah, so uh, you know, you've got four more divisional games, and obviously two with the Redskins. If you beat the Giants and you beat the Cowboys, you're technically still in business. I don't um this this team played really really badly and that's that that's not good because that's bad. So <laughs> it's tough to believe that they're going to you know this that like that Cowboys game was a game where like this is a must winner and they came out really flat. This was a game where it was like man like we really need to pick this up if we want to stay in the playoff race and they came out super flat. So like you know what do we kind of expect from them here? I don't know. Yeah. So it was. It's pronounced Thiesman, and that's his given name is Thiesman. And then, yeah, for the Heisman push, they started pronouncing it Thiesman while he was trying to win the the trophy. This is the story. Screw him, Ben. Uh, any other three words that you like before we uh, before we get the heck out of here and start to transition to God? We got to review this all twenty two. I just, oh man, draft work is looking really appealing right now. Somebody said watching the Notebook. And they posted a gif of that movie, and I really like that movie. It makes me cry every time. Dear God, Ben. I like emotional movies. That's not true. I hate them because they make me cry every time, but I enjoy them. Well, I closed out of this darn thing because I got tired of reading all the fire Peterson takes and everything like that. Let's see here. Let me see if I can grab one more before we get get the heck out of here. There we go. Don Conway at Don Conway Jr. Body bag game. It's the reverse body bag game. For the Philadelphia Eagles, historic game will go down, and no, it won't. It's not a historic game. Nobody's going to remember this game at all until we play the Saints next year or something to to that effect. Saints are freaking good, man. They are dangerous, and that pass defense wasn't at all the Swiss cheese that we thought it was going to be. I'm just depressed and rambling now, Ben. Can we please end this? You want to say goodbye to the gentle listeners? Goodbye, gentle listeners. <laughs> this is our last message. Oh, thank you, as always, for listening to the Kiss and Solak show here on BGN Radio. We do appreciate you sticking with us and reliving what was a, uh, a day to forget for Philadelphia Eagles fans everywhere. Uh, as always, I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist NFL. That's K-I-S-T. Uh, it's Thanksgiving week, so the schedule is likely going to be a little bit abridged. Uh, some different shows with some different pairings, just as, you know, I'm traveling around, and obviously Stolness, Gowin, and Kist all of themselves are, are dealing with their arrangements. So we do wish you a happy holiday weekend. Uh, if we don't catch you before then. But, of course, you will be hearing uh, review shows and preview shows for the Giants this week. Just uh, the staffing and the scheduling and the dropping might be a little bit different, right? I wasn't listening. Yeah, I figured as much. I was just saying there's not going to be as much. I said like, the show's going to be different because, like, you know, I'm not going to be able to do most of the shows this week or whatever. Oh, for, th- for Thanksgiving week. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to be working around that, but we're going to still be pumping out content. So the only thing you'll be missing is a, is a couple to few days of Mr. Benjamin Solak, which I'm sure our ratings are going to take. But please stick with us. Download it, even if you don't want to listen to it, just because, you know, we, we need it. Ben's still coming back, so support the network. Even when Ben is gone, please. Are you sure? 
He may text. That's why. That's. Do you hear me begging? Do you hear me begging the gentle listeners? The rebellion. (laughs) You're gonna arrive with like a new logo and a new feed and everything. Yeah, who would do that? Let's end the podcast. We all we got. Screw it. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>